0: As a people, we are constantly evolving, and part of what influences how we evolve are the conversations we have with ourselves and other people. Welcome to Evolution Space Chats, where we take a moment to tell our stories, to see ourselves in each other, and to grow in dealing with our daily challenges. Hello, your wellness podcast is back with Season 2. My name is Divinity Khoji and this is Evolution Space Chats brought to you by Sowetan. So excited to be back here again. So excited to be having wellness conversations. Um, So excited that we'll be journeying together once again and we'll be growing together as we discover ourselves, as we hear each other's stories and as we see each other as well. Today, I'm not alone. I've got two wonderful ladies that are in studio with me, Megan De clack who is a psychologist at Upward Intentions. And we're going to be having a conversation with Ositle Bolani. Sihle is an author, business strategist specializing in diversity, equity and inclusion, organizational culture and integrated communications. She is also an accredited life and career coach, highly sought after keynote speaker, panelist and facilitator and host of the Workplace Revolution with Sihle Bolani podcast. She is the CEO of Sihle Bolani Consulting and SNR Publishing. Hello, ladies.
1: Hi, thank Hi. you for having me.
0: <laughs> so, we are talking a very interesting topic today. And just before we actually went on, we're talking about how we are going back to the workplace. And that is something that is very challenging for a lot of people, especially after the pandemic. We've been at home, we've been isolated, and a lot of corporates and companies are wanting to integrate people again. They're wanting us to interact on a touch and feel level. And there's so much anxiety around it. And the topic of work toxicity... I think and believe that is one that's always been relevant, that has always been necessary. It's a conversation that we were always meant to have. And this is the opportune time for us to actually maximize in having that conversation now, because there are so many layers to it and there's so many um, issues that are actually coming up. I'm a firm believer that uh, workplaces, companies, are not made up of policies and the walls and the desks, but they're actually made up of the people that come into that organization. And I think it may just be an important place to start then in talking about what is workplace toxicity, particularly if we're saying that what work makes up the workplace are the people that come in and, and do the work. And when I thought about it earlier, I was like, ouch, so then does it mean people toxicity? <laughs> so maybe that's where you can come in um, and and, in your view, how what do you say work toxicity is?
1: So I think one of the first things that really helps understand that concept is understanding that when you walk into an organization, um, what you will likely see is like posters that will have these are our values and it's purple and orange and all of these vibrant colors, right? Um, and we respect each other and we, you know, um, will promote individuality you'll see all of these things all over the world right um and that was you know an hr campaign Mm. okay um (laughs) That's probably part of the the value proposition for employees for that particular year or for a particular period of time. So those are the pillars of communication that they use within that organization to drive a particular culture. But what is important is to understand that organizational culture doesn't create itself. So it's not even about the words that are on the wall. It's about the experience that people have on a day-to-day basis. It's about what happens when I interact with people across different levels in the organization. How do people walk away feeling after engaging or interacting with you do people feel supported do people feel safe enough to show up as themselves or do they feel that they have to show up as a version of them not even of themselves that is more acceptable within that work environment Um, do people feel safe enough to say i don't like this or this is what i experienced and it made me feel in this way i need assistance Do people feel safe enough to say that within within an organization? And so the term workplace toxicity or toxic workplaces is one that really was intended to address those issues within organizations. People who are marginalized are often too afraid to speak about and don't have a term to describe it. Because mm. one of the things that we talk about when we talk about toxic workplaces is people not having the words to describe the experiences. Mm. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel nice. You know, you feel excluded, but you can't explain it. Mm. You know that if I go to someone and I say what so-and-so did or said to me was racist, but they didn't actually use the K-word. Mm. So how do I explain that they were racist? Mm. You know, but you know as a black person, you know, when somebody's being Mm -hmm. racist, you know, um, And so it really was kind of developed as a phrase or a term to help people describe an experience that they have in the workplace that they may not have the words for. But I think the other thing that's equally important in that conversation is the conversation of accountability, because we can't talk about toxicity in the workplace without the accountability aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And that really speaks to understanding that every single person who goes into a workplace has a responsibility to hold themselves accountable for how they show up and how they treat others and how they contribute towards the development, and sustainability of a particular culture within that organization, Mm -hmm. Um, because we all are custodians of culture in an organization, we all influence culture in an organization, but what culture are we influencing on a daily basis? So for instance, one of the things particularly amongst black women professionals, the conversation is, yes, we go into the workplace, we are dealing with the fact that we're black, we're dealing with the fact that we're women. Um, And Black men are dealing with the fact that they're men. Well, they black, but not the fact that they are men mm. in the organization. And so even though they have a, an advantage in that they're men and not women... They're not using that advantage to support black women who are even more marginalized than they are yeah, in the workplace. Are. And so there is definitely a, an opportunity, a very big opportunity for us to really look at where do we sit within our roles within, corpor- within the workplace? How much privilege do we have? Because as marginalized as, as you may be, there's still some level of privilege that you have, mm-hmm. right? Um How do we then use that to be able to actively contribute towards a healthier culture within an organization? Mm -hmm. And how do we create ways for employees to safely give feedback and actually do something about it? Mm -hmm. And not just have surveys twice a year that go into HR and nobody ever sees anything or nothing changes. All you get is new consultants coming in, but nothing actually changes Changes. in the experience that you have Mm -hmm. in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially what's at the core of it, in a nutshell. (laughs) That's
0: a big nut. Mm. I like what you mentioned about accountability and being accountable to self and the role that you are playing in the kind of environment that um, you you are coming into and that you're a part of and makes maybe you can come Mm. in and speak more about that. Because I don't think we think of it from that perspective. We Mm. may consider that I don't like how so-and-so treats me or I don't like... um, whatever you've got a list of the things that you don't like but uh what role are we playing Mm. in in that because also in looking at what the employer is going to do perhaps wouldn't some a starting point, then be what are we doing as employees for each other on our level mm. before we can expect management to then make the changes. Because if we speak in a unified voice, if we take care of each other, then we've got something to go forward with.
2: Mm. Mm. And and I like the point you're making there as well about you know our accountability, but also then there's the the, the fear that comes with that. Mm. You know, so we've got to think about the systemic place that we're sitting in. You know, there's not a job, so if I go and talk to my boss and say that I don't feel like you're treating me well, um, I might lose my job. So, we also need to see where our fear sits in terms of how we then come forward about that as well. But one of the points I wanted to pick up on was the, the, the groups that we have in our organizations. You talk about black women. White well, women don't understand that we can actually support you because actually we have more privilege mm-hmm. in an organization because actually 81 I think it was like 81 women are actually CEOs in the top five, um, 500 companies. Only 1.5% of those are black women. And so the majority of the the people that work in organizations are still white males. Mm. And we, as white women, come into a boardroom and have a bit more privilege than you in a a boardroom, because we are, you know, matching the color race of the individual inside Mm -hmm. the room. And I think we have a lot of power that we can bring into that conversation, where we need to be helping and supporting. Yourselves have a voice, but also to feel comfortable in the room. And I don't think that we do that a lot, and I see that a lot with my clients, Mm. that we don't do that. But that comes from fear. Right, if I then am going to be, my identity group is going to be that. Mm. Then how am I going to be accepted by my norm group? And I think if we break down those structures of norm groups and organisations, we can then start taking accountability because actually we identify with certain things, but we shouldn't just identify with our norm groups. We should have a place where we can identify with everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the accountability comes with. You know, who are we identifying with? Are we being safe about it because we're in fear? Or are we actually going to be courageous about it and actually take that toxicity on board and go, this is not good enough for everyone? Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's accountability, but then also there's that huge human side of norm group mm. that comes into play
0: yeah yeah uh, you mentioned that it takes courage and <laughs> that courage conversation is just another one to be had um certainly so you have got a book um we are the ones that we need and i want to go into mm. that and in going to that can you touch on how you why did you write that book and because there's a power in that title of being the ones that we need and it it ties in with what you're saying Megan that we we have to do this together if it's Mm. going to work we're going to have to do it together and we're not going to be pointing fingers about it I'm going to be the one whether I'm a black woman or a white woman a black male or white male I'm the one who's going to be part of the change that Mm. needs to be seen but if I don't see that the is a change that needs to happen and then it's a big problem so i like the power in your title of 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 your book which which is we are the ones that we need so can you talk a bit about that book and how you came about writing it
1: um so i spent a good portion of my career in corporate i was always a corporate girl i thought i would always be a corporate girl Um, and you know my my last employer um was a bank and I started reporting into uh, a white woman at some point. Um, and there was one particular incident where she didn't agree with the decision that I had made. Um, so I was in charge of um, PR and media relations for the bank in South Africa. Um, and she was unhappy with the particular decision. And she stormed over to my cubicle because, you know, we all open plan now. Yes. We're all kumbaya <laughs> Um storms over to my cubicle and just starts going off at me and you mess this up you better fix it and it wasn't even anything that required so much drama like it wasn't Mm -hmm. a thing uh, because I know my job Mm -hmm. and I know my audience and I understand which media need to be where so there is no conflict Mm -hmm. you know anyway she throws that whole tantrum and then she storms off again And I remember sitting at my desk and just being stunned because what the heck just happened? Mm. Um, But also just the disrespect, Mm. the humiliation. And I remember it was just dead silent. And then you, I look up and everybody's kind of just like, you know, stealing glances, trying to see <laughs> what, <laughs> how you're reacting, oh, you but they don't want to say. <laughs> like they're like, oh, let's not get involved. Should we no, <laughs> there's, no, you know? So now it's like awkward. I get up, I go to the bathroom and I phone my mom, cause my mom's like my best friend. So I phone my mom and I'm like, you will not believe what the F just happened. <laughs> Because So I tell her the story And I am just furious now I've gone from shock to fury Fuming. Um. Anyway, I decide I'm going to have a conversation with her But I needed to calm down mm. Because I also didn't want to go into this conversation And have my passive-aggressive switched on mm. See, I was aware of self <laughs> <laughs> I knew that if I go in with the way I'm feeling now It's not going to go, go well, well for either all. of us So I waited a good two Two and a half weeks or so. And then called a meeting with her. And in the meeting, I then said to her, I don't like the way that you spoke to me. And I will not tolerate it again. If there's something that you're unhappy about, if there's something that you don't understand, you ask to have a meeting with me, we go into a room, and we have a proper professional conversation. Conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was very defensive about it, very, um, like, you know... This is, this is how I am. The, you know, very kind of, uh, I really don't care how you felt mm, about it, mm. you know. Um, and I said to her, well, if we're going to have an issue with handling this, if we don't know how to communicate with each other effectively, perhaps then we need HR to help assist us to understand how to work best with each other. Mm. Because I'm not doing this with you. Mm. This is not going to happen again. So then she went ballistic and said, you know, um, so what are you going to do? Go to HR and tell them that your boss is your boss is shouting at you. Um, what do you expect them to do? That's not HR's job. So it became a whole thing and she was threatening me, saying if this is the game that you want to play, then fine, we'll play that game. I was like, "What game?" Oh, "What are you talking about? Hmm. I'm literally telling you this is what I'm going to do and these are the reasons why I'm yeah. going to do it." She was not happy at all. Um and so from that day I literally went from being a star performer to being non-existent. People often don't invite me to meetings I should be a part of. And when I question it, well, they don't know what value you add. They don't know what you do, so why would they think of inviting you? You don't add any value to your stakeholders. Nobody's happy with your work. For almost a year, it was literally this back and forth. Tried getting HR involved, nothing. Tried getting her line manager involved, nothing. Nothing. Escalated to our CEO, nothing. Escalated to group CEO. Eventually something happens, but still nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Because generally isn't often an interest in actually resolving the issue and actually dealing with the bullies and organizations. Mm. They tend to be the more protected groups yes. because of their connectedness mm. within the organization. Mm. They're the ones who often have the sponsors. Be- and that's why they believe that they can get away with all of these atrocious behaviors mm. because they've got the backing and you don't. Um, and so after, eventually left um, in, at the end of 2015 with no job and no plan, um, so did this th-
0: happen in 2015 or did This it was from
1: 2014 in going okay. into 2015. Um, I think the pivotal moment for me in, in was in April 2015 when I had to be rushed to the emergency room because of chest pains. And I remember sitting there lying in the bed in the emergency room and I had drips in and there were running tests. And it's like 11 o'clock at night, but I'm on my phone doing emails. Sure. Yeah. And the doctor comes back to me and he says, if something doesn't change, you will definitely have a heart attack. And I was 33 at the time. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this is definitely not the life I ever intended to have. And there's no way I ever expected Mm. to hear. Mm. You could have a heart attack um, at 33. And so I was like, okay, clearly I need to leave. Mm. Um, And so at the end of that year, I was just like, I can't anymore. I I just There's nothing. I have nothing left to Mm. give. I loved the work that I did. Love the work, but the people, no, no, no not, not so much. at all. <laughs> and that's why, even when we're talking about toxicity in the workplace, it's important to understand that it's about the people in the workplace mm-hmm. yeah. and what experience they're contributing towards. Mm. Um, and so, after I left, you know, I'd be on social media and see people. You know, black professionals talking about you know their experiences in the workplace, but it's like in little pockets on social media, and it's very vague because people are afraid of mm. getting into trouble. Mm. They're afraid of these new social media policies that they mm. have to sign and Another having disciplinary action. These
0: people writing something in their native language, yeah. And they're like, please do not speak any English mm. when you <laughs> comment on this. <laughs> exactly right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and and it reminded me of how even when I was still in, when I was still employed, yeah. our conversations and our conversations would be like in the kitchen area or like in the cafeteria Mm -hmm. or in the lift and it's just whispers because Mm -hmm. everybody's too afraid to actually say anything because you know that they will fire you in a heartbeat and once they decide that you want to they want to fire you trust and believe they will look for anything if your contract says you start work at 8.30 and you show up one day at 8.34 Mm. trust and believe (laughs) that is going against your name and Mm. it's building a case you know um and so even when I was having this fight with my line manager, being conscious of all of those things, I then had to go above and beyond to make sure I don't even half drop a ball. Mm. Um, that's, that's tiring, right? Because it's that exhausting. exhausting. The emotional, mental, psychological strain. Yeah.
2: time, And then you second-guessing the people around you, mm. your teammates, everything. You don't trust you don't anyone. Trust no, anyone. No. And, and that trust breaks yeah. yourself as well. You trust in yourself,
1: mm. trust in who you are. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely mm. had many moments where I thought, But were they right? Mm, Do I not add any value? Am I not Mm. good at my job? Mm. Um, Even though my results were there in black and white, Mm. but Mm. I had many, many doubts about my capabilities, even after I left. Even now, as a consultant, as an author, as a coach, sometimes I'm like, but... (laughs) Do I really know what I'm doing? You know, and it's constantly having to fight back against these narratives that people try to create about you um, and trying to reinforce your own Mm. that you know to be true. And so just seeing these conversations on social media, I was like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this being quiet and us having to whisper when we actually are living through really traumatic like, experiences yeah. and injustices in the workplace because of our gender, because of our race, because of our outspokenness, because you decide to tell your someone in the workplace, you're not going to bully me. Mm. And then they bully you even more, you know. And so I was like, well, I'm going to tell my story. And hopefully... Others will see that, firstly, they are not alone. Secondly, they will have a language for their experiences. And a lot of people who've read my book have come and said, now I understand what I was going through. Mm. I now have a name for it. Yes. You know, I can explain it. And now I wasn't going it. crazy. And it wasn't, wasn't just yeah, me. It's yeah. not just me. I'm not mm. mad. I'm not imagining mm. it. So that was important for me. Um, but also, I really wanted to remind us that no one person is going to fix it on their own sisha is not going to fix corporate for you and i still get people who will approach me thinking i will come in to the organization and do a talk and i will fix it no
2: no No, that's how it works your structures have to change around
1: you your
2: leaders have to understand it yeah and everyone needs to be willing to as well. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you can you can mm-hmm. plant those seeds as a mm-hmm. exactly. as a specialist, but you need to be able to have accountability, as you said at the beginning, mm-hmm. for everyone to want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And that in itself is not going to happen unless you change everything that sits around the culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, but then, how do how do we create the those spaces, right? <clears throat> because especially in environments where you've got you've mm-hmm. got teams. Um, (laughs) I was actually (laughs) I'm laughing because I was actually remembering some posts on social media of people saying I had said that I'm a team worker and look at me now, <laughs> because now they're stuck in a team, and they're like, Shucks, what do i like what do I do with these people what how 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 do I function mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that have left workspaces because they are guarding themselves and their health' mm-hmm. because there's just they they're finding it hard to 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 penetrate they're finding it hard to speak up, they're finding it hard so how how do we start? where does it start how does it start um is it from a conversation how do we try and bring about the change that we very much see is necessary um i i I, i'm almost i don't want to say without without make making ourselves look like those people you know they're like sure (laughs) <laughs> when you start a conversation and you start getting looks and people are like sure i am not going there <laughs> we have said that it is a it is an accountable accountability thing it is a courage thing where do we start though you know because also another thing that you mentioned is, is this whole open plan and open spaces thing and it's great, it sounds great, but is it really the most practical thing to do? And is, is it in the wellness of the people, which are the employees in the organization, or is it in the good interest of the policies that you're, the company's trying to implement? Mm. Does it do these two even speak to each other?
1: I think it really you know, goes back to uh, something that Megan mentioned earlier around um, the way in which workplaces are built and structured around erasing our individuality, Hmm. right? Our individual identities as people. And so even when you think about the the workplace planning, and all of these things, it's based off of best practice that they've picked up in the US. So in the UK, completely different environment, completely different study groups that they're getting this information from um, as part of their research. But they're not actually doing the research within the environment that they're operating in. They're not asking the staff um, what it is that they would like, how would they, what would be most beneficial to the way in which they work and to encourage, their strengths, you know, um, because we there's definitely a culture of if you're working, particularly with corporate, because that's the space that I w- play in the most. Yes. There is a particular way that you must be. There's a particular personality that you must have. There's a particular way that you must speak. And if you're falling outside of but, that, yeah. then you <laughs> are an outcast. Yes. And your opinion doesn't really matter. And your experience doesn't matter. I was in corporate. I look the part, right? Mm. I dress the part because that's what I have been trained to do and to be. Mm. I speak in a way that is acceptable, in quotation marks. (laughs) I am able to work a room when I need to because I'm a communicator. But I'm actually an introvert. Mm. And I don't want to be switched on all the time. Mm. I don't want people to just talk to me whenever they feel like it. I want you to set a time so that I can prepare myself mentally and emotionally for any conversation, regardless of what the topic is, Mm. because I understand my energy levels are different. An extrovert may be they're always ready to be in conversation. They love chatting oh. to people. They love walking around. They love just popping up and checking up how you're doing. But that doesn't work for me. Yes. So open plan does not work for me mm. because I want to be able to close my door when I'm not ready well, for you know people. That
0: you're not here. You
1: know, or when I've had a people overload and I just need to regroup and rebalance. Mm. But mm-hmm. we don't consider all of these things when we are creating these environments, and then we wonder why people are struggling because even when people go for interviews everybody says they're a team player because yes. like, you have to please hire me yeah. <laughs> it's almost like interviews are scripted yeah. now we
2: yeah.
0: all know what to say exactly so because the
1: even mm. the people who are interviewing have not done the work to evolve the way in which they interview to understand each candidate mm. and mm. the other strengths that would be beneficial to the organization that are not about whether you're a team player or an extrovert or not mm. we don't do that work, you find that even when we're thinking about, you know, the conversation around who should be leading a team, you know, and I always have to say to people just because someone excels at their job mm. does not mean that they are fit to lead other people. Mm. Some people should just be specialists yes. and let them just walk Absolutely. and just be promoted along that path mm. where they don't have to be responsible for other people because that's not a strength. But we still won't acknowledge that fact. Not mm. everybody's a people person, not everybody's capable of developing others mm. and supporting others. And we have to acknowledge that. Mm. But because you because divinity is great at her job. Up, we're just going to mm. give her a team of 10 people and then divinity <laughs> messes up these people's <laughs> experiences at work <laughs> 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 you know yeah. it's divinity who's terrible yeah. actually no because you should have known yeah. what divinity strengths are and what you know where she's not strong and then be able to build off of that mm. and we are, it's like there's just so many nuances and, and, and so many complexities that we don't actually bring into the conversation when we're thinking about how do we build organizations that are actually safe and healthy mm. and equitable and that enable growth for people in the ways in which they need mm. and that's, that, those are the real conversations you need to have, mm. not spatial planning
2: I, I agree with you, <laughs> and, you know, and if you think about when that, that came out was when actually everyone was in the offices, so at the time when Open Plan was out and coming it was to try and open up the workplace mm. a little bit, you know, mm. but we've never revisited it, we've never gone back and had a look at that and to your point around you know, all the studies are done in America and U.S. If you think about the leadership models that we deliver here mm. in South Africa, all based on Western monolithical mm. leadership models—nothing about Ubuntu, nothing about spirituality, mm. nothing about collectiveness. Mm. So we put people into these roles as well, from a leadership perspective, say lead, but here's a model that it fundamentally goes against the way that we are as humans yeah. in South Africa. Mm. We are collective. We're spiritual. Mm. We we want to work together, but let's be independent and followers, come with me, come mm. with me through this workplace, mm. be my follower, and then we'll reward you on your individual performance.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and then you get that toxicity as well, because we're not only creating an environment where we don't have a pathway for people to come to, we're saying, well, you deliver your objective, but it's a team objective, but we won't reward the team as a whole. Yeah. Mm. We'll have an individual conversation within your performance review and an individual one with you, and we'll actually heal you down, but. We like him, mm-hmm. so we're going to mm-hmm. give him the reward. But you did all the work, but we can't really see who did that because the conversation's individual. Mm-hmm. So I think the work to also comes from the way mm-hmm. that we actually reward the behaviors mm-hmm. and that we're not being unique. We're not being authentically African in the way that we lead. Mm-hmm. I think that is a huge part to play, mm-hmm. especially in South Africa.
0: So are organizations really just trying to shut down the conversation when they mm-hmm. say, but I've got an organization of a thousand mm-hmm. plus people. How do I even begin to consider the individual is that just an excuse to you know dumb down the conversation and kind of be like let's all just follow the one path that has been Mm -hmm. set out is it practical to say we will consider um the the individuals will consider the effects of 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 what we do and how we do it Mm -hmm. on on that and that minute level to look at each team to look at each individual um, because that's something that you'll hear a lot of of corporate saying that how do we um, we want the productivity we want to you know we've got our list of things but how do do we achieve that is they achieving all of that Mm -hmm. if we then going to start being so (laughs) people-centered
1: well I think you know (laughs) And you know, all of these leaders I've been to, is the most incredible business schools, but like the basics are still lacking. <laughs> you know, sometimes you walk into a room and you're just like, seriously? Did they didn't teach you that? this at Harvard? <laughs> 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 oh,
0: did you not
2: attend that class? Did no, you that <laughs> module? So did you forget your humanness when you came exactly, in these four walls? Right? That's the one question to ask. Like, why is it about, it? sorry to interrupt you, but mm. why, when we come into four walls and we put corporate and work in front of it, we forget how to be a human to have mm. a conversation with an individual? We mm. have a relationship with people outside, thousands of people on a day to day basis. I mean I kinda of listened to them. Sorry. I just it was just that whole point of like you forgot who you were. Kind yeah. Of thing.
1: It's it's it it really does boil down to and also I I really hate this focus on productivity, right? Because mm. again, it removes us even further away from recognizing the humanity component, which is the mm. key component mm. in any organization's success. Um because it's about you know, if we change the way in which we speak We can then begin to start changing the way in which we behave because we're starting to question why were we saying these things in the first place? Mm. Um, And it's not working. And the reality is that we are at a place now where we are realizing that the way that things have always been done is no longer working. Right. You have the World Health Organization telling us that by 2030, depression is going to be the leading leading medical concern Mm. in the world right? We're not that far away. (laughs) It's literally just eight years away. Mm. But already we are dealing with severe cases of depression all over the world. Um, Increasing rates of death by suicide. Um, We are seeing anxiety spiking, Mm. Mm. Uh, young professionals being booked into mental health institutions Mm. because they're absolutely falling apart. And there is no support because even in the workplace, if you mention that you have a a mental illness, Oh, boy, Mm. you know, Mm. if anything happens, people will make vicious comments like, oh, did you forget to take your meds today? You know, there are really horrific stories that we hear because we're not acknowledging the humanity. However, to your question around, is it feasible? Is there resistance from leaders to Mm. actually do that work? There definitely is a resistance because there's always budget. Yes. Budgets are available. If you're interested in actually doing the right things and investing in the right things, if you just put a pause on events for a second, if you just put a pause on sponsorships for a second and just focus on taking care of the people who keep that business running, mm-hmm. you will, as a result, get such great outputs from those people because they feel safe because they feel valued they feel taken care of they feel respected they feel seen Mm. as individuals which then makes them give more of themselves within those particular roles they want to go above and beyond because they have a nurturing environment to do that but the other barrier that we have is that leaders are still for the most part led by ego Mm. and their egos won't allow them to acknowledge the fact that they have been getting it wrong. Mm, They have been making mistakes. They have been continuing to perpetuate unhealthy cultures in the way that when they take the reins, they continue doing the same thing. The structures remain the same, the policies remain the same, you know? Mm. Um, And oftentimes it's, oh no, then everybody's gonna say I'm a bad leader and they're gonna get out and then how am I going to not, how am I going to get onto CEO magazine, you know? Mm. And it really is about ego. And we have to get to a point where we begin to confront the ego and as opposed to allowing it to continue to make us stay in habits that are unhealthy and unhelpful, allow ego to teach us more about ourselves and then begin to evolve how we show up and how we show up for others in the workplace. Mm. There's definitely a lot of self-reflection and healing work that needs to happen happen across levels and organizations. Mm. Agreed,
2: and I think there is that 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 fact around healing mm. um, for self, but also to to have the courage to stand up. and Failure is not a bad thing. Yeah, you know we have spent so many t- so much time celebrating the win for nothing culture. You will win, and that's what we will promote. Yeah. And that's a very masculine way of, of you know, working. Whereas actually, if we look at failure and how many times we fail in our lives and how many times we get up and we've been okay, mm. if we celebrate failure in the workplace and allow people to say, oh, I made a mistake. Okay, cool, what did we learn from that? Mm. You're immediately going to start changing that ego because people only, as you say, have that ego because they're so scared to be judged. Yes. And we judge a lot of people in performance reviews. I keep going back to that. We're judging a person every day on what they perform how they perform what they do instead of going, what can we do? And how do we look at this as a as a better way? And you know, we, we can't we have a cancel culture.
1: Yeah. We have
2: such a cancel culture, not just in organizations but in our society now. So why are people going to want to stand up and mm. remove the ego? Yeah. Um, mm. So as society, we need to stop being softer as well. So I think it's just you know the corporate is just a place mm. where it manifests even greater because mm. there's just so many people in it, and there's profit to be made, and we're not mm. thinking about the people. And
0: we spend so much of our time, time there, eighty percent of our time, and, yeah, yeah. at
2: work. Mm. Um, but we're bringing in our social norms as well into that workplace because we we're kind of learning a lot from social media. We're learning a lot from how to perform and what we need to be, and we bring them into the workplace and we probably exemplify them Mm. because you know we don't have the reward or we don't have the um what's the the consequence for not doing that Mm. and we've more and more becoming that that beast that we see that we don't want to be and so i do think opening the conversation to allow people to fail is okay which will then remove the ego Mm. yeah Mm.
0: i think a big part of 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 the change, a big part of the accountability, a big part of the courage is support. Mm, I think mm. that, that has come up now, especially I think in this point that we we're speaking about. Um and that brings me to us our final thoughts in how do we hold up space for each other? How do we hold up space for ourselves when it comes to this? Because I don't think the solution, and I don't think everybody has the luxury of walking away from their workplaces in terms of resigning or looking for another job, whatever the case may be. Um, But also I don't think walking away is going to be the ultimate solution. Yes, it's not the solution for each and every one of Mm -hmm. us, but I don't think it's the ultimate solution as well. So can you speak about holding up space and Mm Um, and how do we find a way in moving forward? Because a big thing for me is that someone's going to listen to this and tomorrow they have to go into (laughs) the workspace and deal with everything that we've just spoken about. So um, can we speak about holding up space and can we speak about how how do we pick ourselves up and, and, and move forward?
1: So when I think about the idea of holding space for someone, Um, It really is about committing to being a safe space for somebody to come in and share their thoughts or feelings or whatever the case may be at a particular time about any particular thing with no judgment. Mm. With no opinion from me on on anything that you're saying, it's literally you just having a place where you can release Mm. whatever it is that you need to release at that particular time. Um, Because I recognize the humanity in you and I recognize that in this moment you need support. Mm. You need to feel that someone is there to hear you and to listen to you. And I think one of the other things for me that has really been helpful in helping me to practically practice holding space for others and for myself Mm. um, has been shifting from wanting to be a part of someone's process while you're holding space for them as opposed to just being and letting them do what they need to do in that Mm. moment Mm. and just listen. Without thinking, I know what you're going to say. Without thinking, I'm going to finish your sentence. I'm like, oh, oh, I know what you mean. Mm. Because then you're just interrupting the way their mind naturally needs to process to get to a point where they're like, this is my frustration. This is why it's frustrating me. And when I think about this, this is what happens. And actually, oh, I know what to do about it. Mm. Because what you find is when you allow that process to just happen naturally for people and you just provide a safe place and space for them, Whatever question they have, whatever they were curious about, whatever they were frustrated with, by the end of that process, they're able to go, oh, actually, I know what I need to do. I know how to handle it. They feel more empowered, even though you literally didn't do anything except just be there. And so often we're not there because we're impatient. Just get to the point. Okay, But okay, so and you want to give advice. Before somebody has said please give me advice. <laughs> you know, so my friends it took them a while to get used to because they would often get frustrated because they come to me and go and go on a whole ramble. And then I just go, "Okay." Okay. Okay. So, what do you think? What do you want to do? I go, no, what, what should I do? I'm like, oh, you didn't tell me that you want advice. <laughs> you if advice is what you want, then you mm-hmm. need to say to me, please, may you give me your advice? Because I'm not going to give you unsolicited advice, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just as capable as I am of figuring things out. But if you need me, you can reach out to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it really is just about being conscious of how do we become safe for others, how do we unlearn our own toxicities Mm. when interacting with others? And it really starts with unlearning those toxicities with yourself because we're harshest to ourselves. We're most judgmental with ourselves. Mm. And obviously it's going to reflect in how we interact with other people. And so if we do that work for ourselves and we we evolve the relationships that we hold with ourselves, Mm. it will go against every fiber of our being to be any other kind of way to other people.
0: Yeah, mm. that makes so much sense.
2: Yeah, and, and and you know to build on that, I think it's you know also how do we hold space f- for the people that can't do it, so you mm. know have that courage too. So think about an example. I was doing work with a big organisation that had um, prefabs and a you know on on a track, mm-hmm. and I went to that prefab to deliver part of the the work, and in this prefab was pictures women that you wouldn't want in, in the prefab. Um, and at that point I had a choice to either have conflict or mm-hmm. hold space in that space for the people on the wall, but also for everyone else going to be coming in here later. And so mm-hmm. I did the presentation with my back to that wall. So those men had to watch and see me and understand the recognisation of what that was. And at the tea break, that, that was gone. They were gone. So the choice of holding space comes in different ways. You know, we can hold space for people and allow them to talk, but also we can hold space to allow people to learn. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to always be in conflict to do that. Mm. You know, we can do that in such subtle ways because people don't understand what they don't understand. Mm. We have our own biases. We, In our in-groups, you know, they must have thought that was fine. And in that group, it was mm. fine. Um, so it's about finding ways that we can do it in a way that's not going to be in conflict with mm. other people. Because I think sometimes people think holding space is I need to fight now. Mm. I need to stand my right. Yes, we do. But we can do that with compassion, and I think holding space for compassion is so important. Mm. You know, to build on what he's saying about letting people talk, letting let them hold their space, and be courage. You know, mm. you got you're strong, and we're all strong in this room. And how do we help other people be that strong person for themselves too? Mm.
1: Mm. I mm. think you know it's 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 definitely been one of the most interesting things for me and my journey as a facilitator, and particularly when I'm having conversations about diversity, equity Mm. and inclusion. Right. Yeah. And and I remember I had one particular client and their employee base was predominantly white Afrikaans men. And now here you come Mm -hmm. and you're facilitating and leading a session that is intended to address the opportunities to bridge the diversity and equity and inclusion gaps within the organization. And one of the first things that is almost like a a knee jerk is, but if I say this, then people are gonna think I'm racist. Mm. I'm like, okay, so let's unpack that. Mm. Why do you think that you saying this will make people think that? How did you get there? Talk me through it. Um, and honestly, I experience a lot of moments where people are so resistant to you holding space for them mm. to learn, right, yeah. um, that they get aggressive, mm. very aggressive, verbally aggressive towards you, um, and they want to walk away and want to storm off, yeah. and you've Got to be able to remind yourself why you're here, mm. what is it that you're actually intending to do, so that you don't then meet them on 100 yes. just because they're on a 100. Yes. Being able to remain centered because you know what you're about mm. um, and you know what you're there to do and you have nothing to prove. Mm. It's not an ego contest, it's yes. not a screaming match. Yes. And that way is not the only way to reach some sort of resolution or some sort of mutual understanding mm. between two parties. Because at the end of the day, are we not after the same goal? Goal. So how do we best achieve that in an effective manner? Also, just going back to the point around productivity in the workplace, shouldn't we be talking more about how can we be more effective as opposed to productive? Productive. We're not machines, Mm. right? But we do want to be effective and we do want to be impactful. So how do we best go about that?
0: Yeah, Mm. so true. So many touch points and uh, with what we've just said now the thing is we've got to be open to change we've got to be able to change and not change other people necessarily but also change mm-hmm. ourselves change how we view things change how we approach things um, be willing to unlearn a lot of things so that we can learn because also if you think of it like packing something into a box your box is already full because you've got everything that you had learned and now you're trying to take in new information is so hard and unless you actually start unlearning, start unpacking all of those things that you had learned previously for you to learn new things, you start making space for that new information and for that new way of living and new way of doing things and I think it really just starts with us it starts with you as an individual if you're not seeing it and then you can't you can't live it out and if you're not living it out, then the next person is not so i I think change really starts with us personally and individually thank you so much for being here i really think it was an insightful conversation i trust that a lot of uh, leaders employers employees um are going to be listening to this and they're going to it's going to spark something in them to do something in whatever space they are in this podcast is available on Sowetan Live and all your major podcast platforms. Till next week. Bye. Be part of our community and follow us on our social media platforms. Till we meet again next week. kuvele Love and light. Evolution is the key to breaking the cycle of the norm.